All right. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. And we will get there eventually. I've got a few things to say first, then we'll get to Mark chapter 2, but you'll have your place open there. We'll be ready to run with it when we get there. Appreciate your prayers tonight. Appreciate the Lord tonight. We couldn't do this without Him. I, I still can't get over the fact that God would save me and that He would call me to preach though I'm unworthy and He'd still use me. Even though I messed up a lot of times, even after I got saved, He still forgives and helps and heals and restores. And that's the kind of God He is. That's the Lord we serve. I want to talk to you tonight about investments. Now, when we think about investments, I'm not asking you about, I'm not necessarily talking about money, but I'm talking about other investments. There's heavenly investments. Amen. Some invest in the stock market, some invest in 401k, some invest in mutual funds, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good idea, too. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want to talk to you tonight investing in God's market. The benefits and the returns are out of this world, as we'll see, literally. Uh, we're not just talking about money tonight. As I mentioned, there's more important things in life than money, more important investments than money. Uh, we can invest our money, we can invest our time, we can invest our resources, we can invest our lives, we can invest our words. A lot of times we don't think about investing our words. The scripture says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. But we can invest our words. Have we ever thought about our words, how many words we speak in a day? I don't know, but we speak a lot of words in a day. And sometimes those words aren't always kind words, but they need to be. Uh, our words uh, can change someone's day, it can change their life, it can even change the person's destiny. The words that we speak, a kind word may even keep someone from suicide. <clears throat> that, uh, that cashier at Walmart or in the store we go to or a coworker, or somebody sitting at a desk we pass by, just a kind word may change their day, may change their destiny, may keep them from suicide. We never know what a kind word may do. We should never leave the house with angry words because it may be the last time that person remembers those words or that we remember those words, we should always leave our house, leave our place of work with kind words, with right words and never have an argument or disagreement Amen. because we never know those may be the last words those, those people hear or the last words that we speak. There's power in the tongue, James tells us. Uh, our words can either destroy or they can heal. Our words can either help or they can kill. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying or building up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You know we're all ministers tonight? Somebody asks somebody ask about your life. They ask, uh, well, what do you do? You say, well, I'm a minister at Bible Baptist. You ladies can say that too. Say, I'm a minister down at Bible Baptist. They may look at you a little funny, but then you need to explain what you're talking about there. But uh, we're all ministers. The Bible says we're to minister grace unto the hearers with our words. We minister with our lips. We minister with our lives. We minister uh, with our money. We minister with our hearts and with our hands. We minister with our bodies that are supposed to be living sacrifices to the Lord, not conformed to this world, but, uh, but transformed by the renewing of our minds and our bodies presented as living sacrifices. You can invest in... You and I can invest ourselves, our lives, in the lives of others. First uh, Corinthians 16 tells us that there were people who addicted. Now, I don't know if that word is anywhere used anywhere else in the Bible, but uh, I, that's the only place I know of. I, I really hadn't checked it out, and forgive me for that. But it says there were people who addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Could you imagine being addicted? Well, if I was going to be addicted to anything, I'd want to be addicted to that. I mean, that's a good addiction. If, you know? 
addicted to the ministry. Could you imagine being addicted to the ministry? Eating, breathing, sleeping ministry all the time. But you know, that's what we are to do. We're to be servants all the time. Jesus was, was addicted to the ministry. He was the ministry. Always ready to serve. And all of us are ministers. And what it all comes down to is, first of all, being addicted to the Lord himself. Amen. And then we're addicted to the ministry. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. In this verse, I think we can also apply it not only to giving, but we can, uh, giving money, but I think we can apply it to giving our lives and giving our, our resources and things that we have, our words. It says, given it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosoms. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where are our treasures tonight? Where are our hearts? A good question, a good thing to search our own hearts with. Uh, that applies more than just to money. I, th I think we could apply it to more than that. You might say, I don't have much to give. You may be here tonight and, you, and maybe you got low self-esteem or something, or maybe you just feel like like Lord hasn't used you, or maybe you're, you're really not worth much because you're not a preacher, you're not an evangelist, you're not a, a great teacher, uh, you're not a great, you're not a, a big up in the company or anything like that. You're just, you're just you. I mean, you're just, but God, if God has saved you, he's given you gifts to use. You have a spiritual gift. Some people have more than one spiritual gift. You are precious in the Lord's sight. Uh, you are very important. You may not be a preacher, and I'm glad somebody's already said uh, before in the past that uh, glad not everybody is a preacher, and I'm glad not everybody is a preacher. Uh, we might be in a mess then, but God made you a unique person. There are over 7 billion people on the face of the earth, and there's only one of you out there. There's only one of you, so you have value. You are a person that God made for a, for a divine purpose. You may live 20 years here on this earth. You may live 100 years here on this earth, but God has a purpose for you. Uh, he has an appointed day for you. Uh, Jesus said in, uh, in Matthew 10, 42, he says, And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of water, only in the name of the disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. So you may feel like you don't have much, like you, like you don't have much to offer, but God says if you'll offer a cold water in the name of a disciple, you won't lose your reward. Then I've got a song here that, Mar that Cheryl wrote out for me. It's an old song. It's Follow Me. It says, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sing it, uh, but I will read it to you. It says, I traveled on a lonely road and no one seemed to care. The burden on my weary back had bowed me to despair. I oft complained to Jesus how folks were treating me. And then I heard him say so tenderly, My feet were also weary upon the Calvary road. My cross became so heavy I fell beneath the load. And he says, Be faithful, weary pilgrim. The morning I can see, and I'm glad he can see the morning. He can see what we can't see. Just lift your cross and follow close to me. Next verse says, I, want, I work so hard for Jesus, I often boast and say. I've sacrificed a lot of things to walk the narrow way. I gave up fame and fortune. I'm worth a lot to thee. And then I hear him gently say to me, I left the throne of glory and counted it but loss. My hands were nailed in anger upon a cruel cross. But now we'll make the journey with your hands safe in mine. So lift your cross and follow close to me. And the last verse is, O Jesus, if I die upon a foreign field someday, t'would be, be no more than love demands, no less could I repay. No greater love hath mortal man than for a man to die. These are the words he gently spoke to me. If just a cup of water I place within your hand, then just a cup of water is all that I demand. But if by death to living they can thy glory see, I'll take my cross and follow close to thee. 
just take the cross and follow close to him, that's an investment. That's an investment that will bring eternal, eternal rewards. There's nothing better than following Jesus. I follow a lot of things in this world. And sometimes even after I've got saved, I started to follow some other things. But you know the Lord, he kind of brings you back. And uh, those other things aren't worth following. They're just, they're just temporary things that don't last. And we have to be careful of those things. There's a lot of distractions. The, Lord, uh, the people, uh, Satan and, and others and the world will try to get us distracted and get us off, get us off the old path. But um, find out where I left off here. Jesus made some investments. Jesus invested in you and me when we were worthless and unworthy. But look what he's brought us from. Look how he's worked in our lives. Uh, look, how, look how he's changed us. He, he divested himself of his heavenly glory and invested himself in us. Jesus invested in the 12 disciples and one of them betrayed him. Does that mean that he failed in his investments? No, not at all. That doesn't mean that his investment was a failure. If we pray and we fast and we weep and we give and we pour our lives into someone and they walk away from the faith, we have not failed. We have not failed at all. God looks more at our faith than he does at our fruit. The Lord looks more at our faith than he does at our fruit. We think about the book of Hebrews. We, we see all that list of names down through there. Those people who did this by faith and did that by faith and walked on by faith and were tortured by faith and lived for God by faith and built an ark by faith and, and on and on. We think about Hebrews 11 and the faith that they had. They may not have had much fruit, but they did have faith. And God honored their faith. And God will honor our faith. Someone said God honors faith and faith honors God. And the seeds that we have sown, you know, even though we may pour our life into somebody and we don't see and it seems like they've walked away and it seems like they'll never come back and it seems like there's struggles and there's problems, don't give up. Uh, like the song says, just hold on a little longer. Help is on the way. The seeds that we have sown, the seeds that we have sown may yet spring forth. We need to pray for the rain, that God will send rain. Sometimes rain's not a good thing. Sometimes, you know, rain is a good thing, but sometimes we need to pray for rain, maybe Lord, a rain on some people, you know. So that that seed will bring forth. Send some trials into their lives that he'll work in their hearts. Uh, men invest in their families when they go to work and pay the bills and play with the kids. Wives invest in their families when they clean the house and fix the meals and wash the clothes. These, these are simple things we don't think about, but these are investments. These are investments. Investing in our families, investing in our, in our personal lives, investing in our homes. Fathers and mothers invest in time and prayers for their children. And then children and teenagers, I'll say this tonight, and, and, and uh, don't think I'm being mean to you. I just want to say this. Uh, children and teenagers, your parents have invested in you. They've invested in prayers. They've invested in education. They've invested in changing your diapers. They've invested in feeding you. They invested in teaching you to walk and, and how to talk. They invested uh, in cleaning up after you when you were sick. Don't disrespect your parents. And that goes for the older ones, too. Those of us who still have a mother. You know, my mother's 90. She'll be 92 in October. I still should respect her and never disrespect her. She's my mother. So that goes for all of us. Uh, don't disrespect your parents. If you do, you're not right with God. Uh, you might sing in the choir. You might go on visitation. You might be able to quote half the New Testament. But if you disrespect your parents, you are not right with the Lord. None of us are. We, the Bible says, the scripture says to honor thy father and thy mother. They're not perfect. They're not, they're not always right. They make mistakes. Uh, we're human. But the scripture says to honor your father and mother, which is a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Invest in your parents. They invested in you. Church. 
Uh, we have a pastor who's invested in us. Thank, thank the Lord for him. He's invested, he's invested his time. He's invested his money. He's invested his prayers. He invested fasting. He invested his life. He's invested in us. And likewise, we in turn should invest in him with our prayers and our support and stand behind him. The church has made some investments. And I'm thankful for the, the investments the church has made and is making. Uh, I, th I thought about the Bible college more than once. I told Brother Gravely probably several months back that I thought one of the best decisions the church ever made was to have a Bible college. I, I watched the Lord work in people's lives and, and strengthen them in their faith and grow. The Bible college is a blessing. It's a blessing. To watch God work in people's lives and people who have gone to the college here are now out in ministry. And we think about the hills getting ready to go to Guatemala. The Bible college is a good investment. The academy is a good investment. Watching God work in, in these young people's lives. It's an investment. It's well worth it. And it brings with it a big responsibility, guys and girls. The nursing home. Well, let me get the jail. Let, let me talk about homeschooling, too. Some of y'all homeschooling, too. I don't want to leave that out. That's a sacrifice and an investment. Keep on. Keep the faith. Stay strong. The jail ministry. Men, those of you that, who go down to the jail ministry, and those of you who pray for us that go down to the jail ministry, but those of us who go to the jails, that's a, a lot of times we may not see a lot of results, but we're sowing seeds. Right. And like I said before, you, you never know. One year, two years, ten years down the road, the seeds that we have sown, the seeds that we have sown at the jail may bring forth fruit. Those men will get out, they'll go back to their families. If a man gets saved at the jail, he can go home to his family, take his wife and his children to church. They can get saved. Then he can get a job, and he can no longer steal, but now he's giving. He's in church tithing. And a couple of years down the road, maybe he'll go back to the jail, and he'll tell those men that he's found life, and he's found bread, and he's found hope, and he can tell them what happened to him. And uh, the jail ministry is an investment. We're investing in the jail ministry. We invest in uh, Rock of Ages. That's an investment. Thank the Lord for that ministry, the jail ministry. We're sowing seeds. Then there's a nursing home ministry. That's an investment. You may go down there, and I know it's been mentioned, Brother Gravis mentioned this before, you may go down there and, and those people may not even know you're there. You know, they may not be all together there in, in their minds, but you're there and you're being faithful to give out the gospel. And, and the time you give out the gospel may be the last time they hear the gospel and it may be the time that someone is saved by the grace of God. And you're encouraging the saints, those saints that are there at the nursing home who look forward to you coming to the nursing home, who look forward to Sunday or whatever day you go down there and you're giving out the gospel to them. The Lord looks at our faithfulness more than He looks at our fruit. He looks at our obedience and our faithfulness more than He looks at our fruit. If you teach Sunday school, it's an investment. The Scripture says, Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I'm thankful for the security here. A lot of times, we, we, you know, people do things. You know those guys that walk around with them, funny, with them things in their ears? That, that's security. And I'm glad we have security. They're, they are an investment. They are investing their time. And uh, they're, they, you know, there's cameras up around here, cameras on the outside of the building. They are investing in our physical well-being as well as our spiritual well-being. And I'm thankful for those, for those men, the security. Those who clean the building are an investment. Those who cut the grass are an investment. Those who show up for Sunday school are, are, taking, are putting an investment in their own personal spiritual lives. Those who read the Bible are investing in their souls. Then I want to talk to you about missions. Missions, uh, giving to missions is an investment. It's an eternal investment. Let me give you an illustration here. Suppose just a small child in Sunday school, and, and the youngest great, uh, group they have, 
Uh, just suppose that a child puts 10%, I mean 10 cents in the offering, and that 10 cents goes to buy a gospel track, and that gospel track goes to a missionary in Africa, and that missionary gives that track to a little boy there, and that little boy reads that track, and that little boy gets saved, and he grows up and he becomes a teenager. And because of other missions money, that missionary is able to give that boy a Bible. And, and God calls that young man to preach. And then he, he gets married and he has a family. And he, he starts a church. And there's other Africans and other people who get saved. And you have a church there established. And where did it all start from? It started from a track. And a missionary who was willing to go and give out that track. And it just cost 10 cents that, that the young man did. But I know there's more to it than that. But you get the message of what I'm saying tonight. And suppose that man preaches and, and then the, it changes the village. It changes the community. It changes people's lives. It changes, it changes the workforce. It changes the worth ethic. It changes the, uh, the home life. Now, now a man doesn't have two or three wives. He just has one wife. And he has a family, a unit that's held together. And that means the AIDS rate and the HIV rate goes down. And, and just the fact of one track of, of what one little thing, little as much when God is in it. Amen. Labor not for wealth or vain. There's a crown and we can win it if we'll go in Jesus Excuse me, Jesus' name. These are investments. And now I've got, to, I've got a list of our missionaries here. I've got a list of our missionaries. And uh, I want to just say this is more than just a list of missionaries. This is, an, this is, our, this is our investment portfolio. This, is our, this, is, this beats 401K. This beats uh, the stock market. Anything we, we buy to invest in materially. We've got, uh, we've got an investment in Papua New Guinea. We've got one in Guatemala. We've got one in Mexico, or actually more than one in Mexico. We've got a, uh, an investment in Boston. We've got an investment in Chile, an investment in Israel, an investment in Cambodia, an investment in Russia, an investment in Liechtenstein. Anybody know where Liechtenstein is? It's, it's over there next to Switzerland, but a little country over there. Investment in Liechtenstein, investment in South Africa, investment in Minnesota, in Scotland, in Africa, in Australia, in the Philippines, in Utah, in Argentina, in England, in... Uh, the Jews to America, were, uh, in Guam, in Colorado, uh, prison ministry, Nigeria, Egypt, and Jamaica. And that's, and that's not even all of them. I didn't even read all of them here. But these are investments. Could you imagine what it's going to be like one day when we get before the Lord? I mean, on Wednesday night, we don't think much about. Uh, I mean, sometimes we just walk past and put the money in offer play because that's what we're supposed to do on Wednesday night, you know, the missions offering. And sometimes we really don't think about what that's doing, about where that's going to, and all the investment that we've made. And one of these days, we're going to gather around the throne and we're going to see Jamaicans and we're going to see Africans and we're going to see all kinds of people from all over the world for an investment. For our glory? No, for His glory. We don't put that money in the offering plate for our glory. We put it in there for His glory, that He'll get all the glory. And do you, oh, can you imagine the crowd that will be around the throne that day and the, and the rewards? And listen, I don't, I'm not doing this for a crown. A crown will be nice. But, you know, and that crown is not for me to keep. That crown is for me to cast at Jesus' feet because it belongs to him. He gets all the glory for it all. Well, a visitor comes in. Suppose we have a visitor who comes in and the guy's got tattoos all over his body. He's got metal hanging out all over him. He's got earrings, nose rings, tongue rings, all kinds of rings. But you know what we do? He's an investment. We go up to him and we make him feel comfortable. And we show him love. And we tell him he can come up here and sit with us if necessary. He may smell bad. He may look like he got run over by a train. He may have slept under the bridge last night. But you know what? He's an investment. Jesus invested his life in him like he invested in us. You say, what if he never comes back? Well, we still invested in seeds 
have been sown. Remember the seeds. Our labor is not in vain in the Lord. When we don't see the results, we still, we still know that seeds have been sown. And we may never see the results. He may end up in another city, in another church, because of the kindness he showed, we showed him here at this church. He may end up at another church, and there he may end up staying. And there he may end up being saved by the grace of God. Amen. Investing in others, investing in others will keep us from becoming selfish and self-centered. Let me say that again. Investing in others will keep us from becoming selfish and self-centered. The best way to get out of selfishness, maybe the best way to get out of oppression sometimes and feeling sorry for ourselves and self-pity is to start doing something for somebody else, realizing people are worse off than we are. Is anybody here selfish? Anybody? I am. I confess that I'm selfish. The Doyle Rattery is selfish. I like Brother, I like brother Rattery better than I do Doyle Rattery because Doyle, you can't trust him. He's a sinner. But Brother Rattery, he's been redeemed. And y'all know what I'm talking about. You've been saved by the grace of God. There's two of us. There's two. There's an old man we've got to put up with. I've got to drag this old man around with me in this body the rest of my life. Paul said, oh, wretched man, who shall, a wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I'm thankful, that, I'm thankful that one day the Lord's going to deliver me from the body of this death. I'm going to get a new body and I'll not be dragging that old nature around with me anymore. We've got an old man and a new man. The Apostle John said in John 3.30, He, the Lord Jesus Christ, must increase, but I must decrease. That's a good investment. My investment goes down, but his investment grows in my life, or it should be. All right, I told you we get to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. I mean, Mark chapter 2, I'm sorry. Mark chapter 2. Yeah, I'm on page 6 of my notes. Uh, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, for the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now I notice something here. I want, to, I want to read this again and point out a word that appears in here five different times and make some comments about it. Verse 3 again, it says, And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born or carried afore. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed where the sick of the palsy lay. Now five times the word they is mentioned. And what I think about this word they is, these people didn't have any name. They didn't have a name recognition. They didn't have any identity. They weren't seeking attention or self-glory. And that's the way our investments are to be. I see five things here. Uh, five things. They were in unity. These four men were in unity. They had a purpose. They had a goal. The Bible says in Psalm 133, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now just think of, there's these four men. Now just think, of, they got, it says the, house, the door. You couldn't even get in the door. There were so many people in the house. And so they're bringing their friend on a stretcher, on a bed. They're bringing him, these four men. Now just think of, if one of those men had said, you know, this place is crowded. We're not going to get anywhere. He would have been, dis, he, he would have, it would have been disunity. The three of them would have been wanting to carry him in there. And that one guy, he would say, well, you know, it's crowded here. We can't get in the house, you know, and on and on. And, and so how are we going to do it? And somebody says, well, we can go up on the roof. And say, well, that's too dangerous. We're not going to do that. But you know what? They stayed in unity. They had a purpose. So there was unity. 
Uh, secondly, I noticed that they made an investment, not for selfish reasons. It wasn't about them. It was about their friend. They wanted their friend well. It wasn't about them. Uh, investments require unity. Uh, investments require sacrifice. It costs time. It costs money. It costs resources. It may even cost us our life, but they made an investment. They took risk. Number three, they took risk. They climbed up on the roof. They climbed. You, that could have been dangerous. They could have fallen off. They could have got hurt, but they went out of their way to get their friend Amen. in to see Jesus because they had a strong faith. They took risk. And then, on top of that, they started taking the roof apart. Now, what would you do if you had a bunch of people at your house and, you know, you were, you were having a church service there or whatever, there was something going on, and somebody was up on your roof taking your roof apart trying to get in. I mean, you're going to be wondering... What's going on here? These guys come to somebody's house. They, I don't know if they knew him or not. It doesn't tell us. But he's up on, these people are up on the roof taking the roof apart. It's dangerous. That's risky. That's radical, trying to get somebody to the Lord. But they, they had faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, but without, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Our investment should always be done by faith and not in the flesh. Number five, they didn't get any recognition, as I've already mentioned. They were just theys, just theys. Uh, no names were mentioned. They didn't get their name in the bulletin on Sunday. They didn't get a write-up in the paper. They didn't make the 6 o'clock news. They were just theys. Uh, the theys know it's not about them, but it's about him. Uh, I want to be one of those they Christians. Uh, Acts, there's other theys in the Bible. Acts chapter 4 and verse 31 says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Again, there's unity here that says they were all assembled together. That's why it's important for us to assemble. Right, church? That's why it's important for us to assemble. Unity. Then they had a purpose, and they made their investment. And the Lord blessed them. Mark chapter 7, verse 32 says, They bring unto him a deaf man. Mark 8, 22 says, They brought unto him a blind man. Uh, Psalm 126 says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Those tears that we shed in secret that nobody sees when we're in our prayer closet, we're in that private place of devotion that nobody sees, but God sees. He said He'd reward us openly. Those who pray in secret, He, he reward us openly. Those who fast in secret, He reward us openly. Those who give in secret, He would reward us openly. There have been, uh, there have been some days in my life and in your life who have invested in our lives. There's been parents... There's been pastors, teachers, evangelists, churches, friends who have invested in our lives. The day that you were saved, God was working behind the scenes. And we don't even know all the details of what God was doing the day we were saved. All the people who prayed that Sunday morning or whatever day you were saved, Wednesday night or whatever time. You know, the people who came by your door and left a, a gospel track, Brother George and your daughter inviting you. or who, You know, uh, we don't know all that was going on. People showed up on visitation on a, on a Saturday morning and prayer took place and people went out. See, there was something going on behind the scenes uh, all the time. And uh, that if you were saved at church, they, they were singing in the choir and they were preaching and they were leading singing and uh, they were playing instruments and they were praying. There was people out in the congregation. If they saw you come in, they thought you might have been lost. If they didn't know you were a visitor, they're praying there in their hearts the, uh, for the Lord to save you or to, or to work in your heart. That all these days and all the workings that God did behind the scenes, God's always at work. When we're asleep, God's at work. We're sleeping, but He's at work. And uh, tonight, tonight they were in the prayer room. And 
And the ladies, they were in the, in the prayer room. And you know, I didn't think about this until tonight when I was thinking about this message. But you know what? There's prayer going on over here. And there's prayer going on over here. And you know what's right in the middle? The congregation is. I never even thought about that before. But uh, anyway, regardless. Um, let me say that I, I want to say I appreciate the older saints. I thought about them. Older saints who've invested. Do you know that we're living off the investment that the people made who built this church? Their blood, their sweat, their tears, the prayers, the fastings, the giving. We are, we are enjoying the, the blessings of what the older saints did, of those who founded the church, of those who, who have preached and, come on and, and gone before us here, and those who are still here, still holding the, still holding the line, still uh, holding the fort. Well, here's the invitation tonight. I'm not sure how this is going to go, but uh, Jesus invested in your life. If you're here tonight, you've never been saved by the grace of God. He died to save you and to keep you out of hell. And tonight's the night for you to surrender to him because he invested in you. And now it's time for you to invest in him. It, it's, it's, uh, the benefits are out of this world. You need to trust him. Give your life to him. Secondly, I'd say to the church, take care of your investments. Keep investing. Don't, don't drop your investment. Keep the investments. Number three, start investing. Start investing. Me open to new investments he may want you to start. Don't limit God. The Bible says they limited. It says the children of Israel limited God. Uh, don't limit God. Uh, we, we don't need to limit God because of our age or because of our income or because of our, our life. Those things should not get in the way. Now, I know sometimes we get older, we're not able to do what we used to do, but we can still pray. And uh, number four, you may want to just come and thank him for the days in your life. Or you may want to go around to people and thank him for, the, for being those days that they've been in your life. Uh, a few weeks, well, actually a few months back, uh, I had a pastor. I grew up in Florida, and I had a pastor uh, who was, he was, a, he was a good man, a good man of God. And I just recently, uh, I'm not bragging when I say this, I just recently sent him an email and, uh, and thanked him for being there when I needed him. Amen. He was a day in my life. And uh, we need to thank those, those days. Maybe go home, make a phone call, and thank a day, or send an email, or, or write a letter. But thank some of those days in your life who have been there for you. Well, you just obey the Lord. Do whatever he tells you to do tonight. Appreciate y'all listening. Let's all stand. The invitation's open. I can think of no better thing to say than just obey the Lord. Just be obedient to him. Obey him.